Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. There we go. Welcome in, guys. It is Tuesday night, January 25th, 6.05 p.m. Mountain Time, which means it's time for another episode of, what's the hat say? Building the Broncos. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, a good friend and co-host getting over a sick little bug, but feeling better and better by the day, Carl Dummler. Carl, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I finally got to go out in public for the first mm-hmm. time today, so Overrated. that was really, I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm a people person. I kind of like being around people. So it's nice that way. Uh, got a little nervous because I actually had a guy come to my door and he's like, ah, I'm good. And it's like, okay, but, uh, but no, it's just been good to see people again and, and just good to, to be back here feeling good, not feeling like I'm going to cough up a storm during the storm or during the show. And, uh, and you know, Hey, lots going on with the Broncos right now. So kind of exciting times. And I was hoping for some news last night, but it didn't come through obviously. Yeah, that's uh, I was hoping for some news today as well, just to kind of get it, get over that hump, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm more excited about the draft and like talking the coach stuff is fun because it's a big direction, but we just kind of kind of let it play out before we really know what you have there. So um, we'll see what happens. Dylan Von Arks, sub Broncos country. Make sure you guys hit that like button on the way in and subscribe if you haven't already. Dylan always doing the work for us. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, Beto Garcia coming in saying, what is up Broncos fam? Vintage Jeff already throwing down, saying Peyton needs to go. Uh, oh, well, that's uh, it's a little early for that, maybe, but you know, God, God bless you. I, I want to hear why. Give me the reasons why. Billy Homan, I like Hackett. Good. We got uh, Chris coming in, O'Connell, head coach, offensive coordinator, Mayo, the DC. I'd be happy with that. Um, uh, Carl, what do you think about this combination? Because for me, right off the bat, I'm like, I don't want my head coach to be the offensive coordinator as well. Now they can obviously have a heavy influence in calling plays, but Kevin doesn't even call plays for the Rams now. So now he's going to take on head coaching responsibility and play calling for the first time in his first head coaching gig. I, I don't think that, I don't think that would work out, but I, I don't know the dude. Right. And on top of that Mayo calling plays for the first time being a DC. Yeah. Like, usually, especially a first time head coach, you kind of yeah. like to pair them with a veteran on the other side of the ball. You know, I, I'd love to see a couple guys that have head coach experience on the staff, like uh, Munchak, keep him here. He's at least got head coach experience that you can work with. Uh, I, I know I, I saw something about how with like the Giants, they're thinking about pairing a new GM with a first time head coach. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Sometimes you need at least a little experience on one side to to kind of figure it out. And I, I just, that that's my big nerve nerve thing here. And I like Mayo. I really do. I think he can be a great defensive coordinator. I've kind of heard if he doesn't get a head coach job, he doesn't want a defensive coordinator job. Like yeah. he'd rather just stay with the Patriots and what they're doing. And so I, I doubt that he would take that job, but Hey, you never know. Maybe things get a little too intriguing and he can't pass it up. Yeah. Nope. That's a, uh, 
It's a good call there on the Mayo as well. More of an aioli guy myself, but that's just, you know, me. <laughs> Stupid joke. Everyone, let's move on. Ronton Tizzy, uh, Ron Tizzy coming in. Who's our next coach? Uh, Ronton, it's going to be you, buddy. Get, get, uh, get excited. <laughs> We're excited to see what you can do. We got Lawrence Rivera coming with the stars. Thank you so much, Lawrence. What's up, guys? We need some new news in here already. It's been way too quiet in Broncos country. Let's just go pay Saints for the Sean Payton. Uh, man, if Sean Payton were actually available, I would say go for that. You know, you have extra. It doesn't matter until you have a quarterback. I mean, God, Sean Payton, it only took one year of Trevor Simeon for, for starting for him to be like, you know what? I've had enough of this um, to get <laughs> yeah. out of there. But um, yeah. sorry, I just have to. Uh, Taysom Hill, Ian Book, too, man. Just a just bad. If you don't have a quarterback, I don't give a hoot who your coach is. It's going to be tough. Uh, but I would give up a one of the day two picks for Sean Payton. No doubt. Yeah, that, that's see that and that's something you got to keep in mind. He's still under contract for the next three years, or well, whenever he comes back, he'd still be under contract for three years with the Saints. And so you can't just say, "Hey, oh, he's he's available." You actually have to trade for him. And I can't see the Saints letting him go for very little. Like they're they're going to ask for a pretty penny to get Sean Payton. And I, I think it's going to take more than a day two pick. Honestly, I think it'd take our first round pick. And I'm not, I'm not doing that for a coach. Nope. Not without the quarterback. Yeah. Yep. They need to hold on to their first round picks. Like the, I, I don't know. Crazy until you get your quarterback figured out. Mr. Stewmate coming in. How you doing? Mr. Stewmate, the 199 super over on YouTube. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Also, we got Colby C Collier coming in. That's a lot of C's. Uh, I feel like we're getting close. Maybe January 31st. We get a new coach. Is that a week from today? I don't even, this has been the longest January of all time. Week from yesterday. Week from yesterday. Okay. Well, cool. We're almost through it, baby. Um, definitely possible. Uh, I don't know if the O'Connell still being in the playoffs matters, if, if that accelerates things or decelerates things, uh, but it's definitely possible. And I think personally, this is just me reading the room. And I would have said that Gannon, based on the vibes and buzz that was coming out, that Gannon would have been one of the finalists too. They would have had a fourth one instead, but alas. So don't, this is not a sources tell me this by any means, but I think that. Quinn or Hackett, I think they'd be happy with either of those guys, but there is a reality out there where both those guys say, I'm taking other opportunities. Quinn goes to the Giants. Uh, Hackett goes to Jacksonville to work with Trevor Lawrence. You don't want to be sitting there and have to go back into your pool. Uh, let's say, oh, Gannon, we didn't like enough for a second interview, but like we got no other options. So uh, come on <laughs> down. Uh, so I think O'Connell is probably the, the fallback option out of those guys. But again, that's just me seeing the interest from these other teams and where everything's lining up right now, based on what I can see intuition, yeah. I guess you call it. Well, and, and you got to think Quinn tomorrow is meeting with the bears for his second interview. And there, there's a chance they don't let him leave the building. They say, Nope, we, we got to have you here, buddy. They got their new GM finally in place. They can actually go make their hire. And if that happens, it, you might see Broncos call hack it back up and say, dude, get back here. We're not done with this meeting. <laughs> And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like O'Connell. I like Hackett. It's just so hard to read how good they're going to be as a head coach. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people keep pointing to, okay, how have they done as a coordinator? Oh, they don't call plays. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know if I expect them to call plays as a head coach either. Yeah. So th that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking at, can this guy lead a locker room? Can this guy organize a coaching staff, organize players, actually have them on his side, getting them listening like part of what I heard with um, with Vance Joseph, the reason that they liked Vic Fangio so much is because he was kind of a no-nonsense guy where Vance Joseph let lots of things go by the wayside, guys showing up late, all those kind of things. And when you got that, obviously it just it doesn't lead to a lot of success. And so they almost kind of go, went the opposite direction. Well, now you got to find kind of the happy medium, guy that can connect to players but also keep them accountable to what they're doing. Can you do that as a first-time head coach? Hard to say. Hard to say. Who knows? We got Holden Adams coming in saying, what's up, Broncos country? I'm needing this after taking a graduate-level anatomy, physiology, and pathophysiology test. A lot of uh, big words there, but you're looking at somebody <laughs> who had a, a science degree here, so you're not tripping me up, Holden. Hope you did well. Um, it's always a nice catharsis after you finish that. I'm not sure if you're of age. But if it's a graduate level class, I'll say it is. So maybe you're enjoying a cold one right now and kicking back and hanging out with us on building the Broncos tonight. You Glad go. you're hanging out here with us. It's good to see you. Uh, we got Beto Garcia saying hello to Scott here because Scott said hello earlier. Uh, Jay Kozad's in the house. Billy Homan's in the house. DB Outdoors. Uh, we got some more here. Rod Bass. 
Um, once the first coach is hired, then the dominoes will start falling. This is very true. And guys, this is a really important factor here for a lot of these teams is the senior bowl is a week from today. It's yep. the practices. Everybody coming in is a week from today. So you still have some general the Vikings position is still open as far as the general manager. Am I correct in saying that bears brought in somebody today, yep. uh, but the Vikings one is still open. Um, so you, those will probably happen. Those have to happen first typically, uh, but you'll start to see head coaching positions happen. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing Quinn is the first piece, you know, it's, it's Jenga right now. And once the Quinn piece is pulled a lot of the whole tower is coming down. I think it's a domino effect from there. Right. He, he's the one that has the most teams still very much interested in him that made it to the second level of their interviews and, mm -hmm. and what they're wanting to see. Um, so you're right. Once he falls, everybody else kind of goes in place. And, and this is why, again, I hate having the senior bowl before the super bowl yeah. because a lot of times, I mean, some of the best coaches obviously are helping win a Super Bowl. Well, you like to have your staff in place before then. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they're the way they set up the rules this year. It's supposed to kind of delay when coaches get hired and everything else. But it's still going to be one of those where, like I said, this week, beginning of next week, most of these positions are probably going to be filled. And that leaves out a lot of those great teams that are continuing on. Maybe an O'Connell doesn't get a job because he's going to the Super Bowl. Uh, you, you just never know. And so I, I just, that's one thing I hate is having the senior bowl at this point instead of waiting until after the super bowl. I understand why they don't want it so close to the combine and getting everything figured out that way. But I, I just have a problem with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, a, that's a good call there. I don't know how much involved those coaches actually would be, um, but we got Michael Ronquillo coming in with a super chat. We had one that was a bit ago. And we also got Travis coming in saying evening fellows watching Travis, buddy, your hat came in. So I just wanted to real quick, um, if you're going to send me hats, I'll wear them on online or online here, but, uh, yeah, we got the hat. It is Nighthawk custom. So, uh, Travis sending me the hat fellow Hawkeye. I don't know. Also, if you saw Carl, I tweeted it today, but uh, Peyton Manning was in a couple Iowa located high V's with uh, Dallas Clark and Kurt Warner shooting a, I think one of Peyton Manning's episodes with Kurt Warner at the grocery mm -hmm. store where Kurt Warner worked before going to the NFL. So, uh, Awesome. Travis is a fellow Hawkeye there, but definitely probably a high V supporter. And thank you so much for the hat. It looks good. I really actually like the, um, the overall design is nice. Yeah, no, it, it does. That's a smooth hat looking there, but, yeah. uh, all right, we got Tina coming in here with stars. Appreciate that, Tina. Uh, do you think the opening in new Orleans throws a wrench in the coaching hires as in, do you think coaches look at it as a great position? Uh, do people look at new Orleans as a great yeah. position? No. Um, that team, if, we keep saying, you know, the joke, oh, the salary cap is a myth. The salary cap is a myth. But this team is about to be $74 million negative in the red going into the season. And I was going over their cap. There aren't many contracts that help give them much relief. They can't do much to relieve themselves. It's pretty much just Bradley Roby. Sorry, really. I know, Carl. Sorry. They can't relieve them. Just let it go. Um, but uh, no, Bradley Roby, I think they can save $9 million against the cap with only a $3 million dead hit. But like Cam Jordan. Uh, Ryan Ramchek, Marshawn Lattimore, all these guys that they just pay these big contracts to and like moving on from some of them results in a bigger dead cap hit than they would get cap savings. So yeah. they're, they're in a bad spot, man. I I, yeah. I know that Scott's probably back there, you know, saying he'll believe it when he sees it uh, with the saints, <laughs> given, you know, some of the luck that they've had down there in that area. But uh, that's a team that's in some trouble, I would say. And I do not think they are a good looking position at all. I think if anything, this is Sean Payton saying like, this roster, I probably maximized the most out of it. This is a bad quarterback draft on the surface, and I don't have the means to improve this team. So I'm going to be spinning wheels next year. I'm going to have a worse resume coming out of next year. Maybe I want to go somewhere else. Maybe I want to go to Dallas. Mike McCarthy, there's already talks about him maybe like getting jettisoned for a Kellen Moore or a Dan Quinn. Um, and Sean Payton is a Dallas native, I believe. So uh, I don't think there is – I don't think the Saints job is good, A, and I don't think that uh, Sean Payton is going to take any jobs right now. Also, I think he's going to take the year off, but I think it's that Dallas job he has his eyes on. Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he just takes a year off just to let them get things figured out. Then when they have a top five pick and can go get their quarterback, that he's like, you know what? I miss football. Let me come back. And I, I don't blame the guy. You don't want to no. go out there and have a terrible season. And and like I said, have that on your resume. But, but even – just being a coach in that situation, like that's going to be a headache trying to put a roster together and, and get that figured out. So I, I do think this is just going to be a really, really bad year for him. And they're just going to have to live with it. And I mean, and that, that NFC South Scott said it best that, you know, if Tom Brady retires, who do you like in that division? Maybe Atlanta, maybe actually, because they still at least have a quarterback. 
they got some playmakers so bad man i don't know i've watched a lot of nfc south football maybe we can sign a petition to have the broncos uh, be transferred to the nfc south for a year because uh it's looking tough in the afc west and the nfc west west yeah. football west coast best coast for uh, nfl maybe not the uh college football right now sorry you pack 12 truth, truthers in here um we, but uh go ahead can we be like soccer where they have like the if you do bad you get bumped down oh don't even get scott started we're gonna be here all day if that happens. That's okay. <laughs> the relegation. Um, but yeah, no, we have a uh let's get into it a little bit. Obviously, Hackett was here in here, it was in Denver yesterday, flew in. I really enjoyed the uh, the plane watch, the plane tracker stuff. It kind of reminded me of the Santa tracker going on. Oh, he's he's over the Atlantic now. You better go to bed, kids. Um, but uh that's the um Hackett was there for nine hours yesterday. Apparently, the interview was four-ish hours. They sent him home without a contract. What does that mean? Is that could be Hackett turning them down. That could be the Broncos saying they want to take their time. I think it's important, though, to know that the Broncos let Peyton leave Denver last year without an official contract, still ends up being the Broncos general manager. So I do not think that uh, just because Hackett is gone that he is out. I do think Dan Quinn is still the leader in the house, but Hackett is close behind. I think they'd be happy with either of them. Yeah, I, I think you, part so of it. Oh, yeah. And Travis, thank you for the, the stars, everything else that you've been. Huge supporter of the show, man. I appreciate it so much all all throughout this year. Um, but uh, you're right. I, I don't think that means that he's out of the running by any means. I think Peyton is just one of those guys. He is very, very calculated, very uh, – he wants to get as much information as he can before making any kind of big decision. And, and the reality is I, I think he's in kind of a difficult position as well, just being GM of a team that's getting ready to have a new owner. You mess up this head coach search, you might not get a second time. You might not get that second chance to, to go get a guy. Usually in these kind of situations, I would think he'd maybe have a second chance if the owner was already in place and hired Peyton himself. But I, I think he's got to get this right. And so I can see why he said, hey, Hackett, we'll give you a call, buddy. Don't worry about it. But uh, but right now we got to go get Quinn in here, see what he's got to say, and then we'll make a decision from there. Yep. No, absolutely. We got Gary Leeds Palmer coming in here. Gary Leeds is Palmer is always a big supporter in our Facebook group and in the Facebook community in general. Make sure you're checking out Mile High Huddle's Facebook groups if you like the content here and the community in general and want to talk some football. Uh, hey, Nick and Carl and Scott, my guess is we no longer, uh, the longer we wait, the better O'Connell looks. Definitely possible. Uh, I'm fine with O'Connell. I'm fine with any of these guys. I think I'm going to go in with an open mind and I will let them disappoint me you know I'll, I'll hope for the best and then when they make mistakes i'll get angry about it but until then i think they're all decently qualified and i'd be excited about each one of them would they bring bigger question for me is what the vision is paired with peyton what they want to do with their capital in the offseason and scheme uh, i will say yeah. carl if if dan quinn is coming and i know that he kind of changed his scheme with dallas and it's more about the jimmies and joes and the x's and o's but if he comes in here and he's running a cover one or a cover three or a single high uh, heavy coverage scheme, I am going to flip a lid because th there's so much data that we have that t Patrick Mahomes still incredible against two high safeties, but he obliterates single high coverage against the bills. He had an, I think it was a 99.6 QBR versus single high coverage, which is out of a hundred folks out, of, <laughs> out of a hundred and he killed them. So if you're playing single high safety against the chiefs, which Quinn has done historically, you're done. You're cooked. I mean, might as well see you next week. Yep. I'm with you. I I worry about that too. Of <clears throat> can he continue to be willing to adjust who he is? A lot of these coaches just have that ego of my scheme is best. I'm gonna do what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do. It's gonna work. Uh, I remember that with Jack Del Rio in 2014. It irritated me so much. 2013, he had less talent, and I thought he was much more creative in how he was trying to call the game. And then all of a sudden, 2014, you get Demarcus Ware, you get a keep to leave. Um, you get Ward in there and he just went as vanilla as possible and just said, my players are better than your players. I don't have to scheme. And that defense just was not as great. And then obviously 2015, they go out there and be a legendary defense. Mm. And I'm just like, you got to adjust to your players. You got to work to make sure that your scheme is fitting everything that you're trying to do. And, and sometimes you have to out scheme the other team. Mm. You're just, it's the NFL. You're not going to be so much more talented than everybody else that you don't have to scheme like an Alabama against a, a division three school that comes in for those easy 80 to zero kind of wins. Yeah. It doesn't work yeah. that way in the NFL. And I just, Oh man, I hated him that year. That, that yeah. one irritated me. Yep. No, I just, that really scares me. And last, this last year, the team that 
Patrick Mahomes has two worst graded games, according to Pro Football Focus. Both came against the Broncos this year. Now, some of that is because they had zero respect for the Broncos offense, so they took the foot off the gas. Um, if they if Broncos had the Bills offense, um, you'd see the Chiefs push the push pedal to the metal a little bit more. His score would probably be higher, but I just uh, I don't want to spend the whole podcast on how do you beat the Chiefs. That, that game probably still really much in our minds right now, but if they're going to a cover three heavy scheme, God bless it. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna still watch the Broncos Chiefs game because I have to, but um, that one is gonna make me very upset watching it if they do that. Uh, David Kilgore coming, and if they do do that, they better invest. Forget you know first round pick at an edge rusher. They need to spend a big edge, edge rusher, pay for another pass rusher as well. Because if you don't get after the quarterback, you're sunk, uh, yep. especially with those type of schemes. Uh, David Kilgore, do you guys think that the rumor of Hackett as a head coach that we get Eric Rodgers and Adams? So Hackett paired with Rodgers and Adams. I think that's plan number one. Um, if you can bring in definitely Rogers, if, if he says I'll come, if Adams comes, then sure. Bring your buddy. I don't care. Bring your friends, um, yep. whoever they are. But I think that Adams and Rogers are still under contract. So that would be tampering. There still can be talk, you know, a little canoodling between agents and whatnot, but I don't think that there is any grand master plan that they are guaranteeing that bringing in Hackett means bringing in Aaron Rodgers as well. Yeah, for sure. You, you can't do that at this point. Um, and that's why you have to hire Hackett on who he is as a coach. Not so much. Can he bring in Rogers? Because you just have to, you have to hire the guy that's best for the job and then just kind of figure out the pieces from there. Now, maybe it works out that way that, that Hackett can bring him along and be a big part of that reason of why he comes. Um, and, and yeah, Adams, if he can come with him, man, that good luck stopping the Broncos offense. I mean, if, if they don't average, 35 to 40 points a game. I'll be very disappointed next year. Yeah. <laughs> if they have him Sutton, I, I don't know if Judy would be a part of that trade. I know a lot of people have kind of thrown out that that would be a part of it. Maybe that is, maybe it's not because you know, if you're going four wide receivers, yeah. that's fine by me. If that's your, your base offense, if you've got four great wide receivers, do it. I, I like it, but I prefer making other teams have to field linebackers because linebackers suck and are subhumans. Um, no, I'm just kidding, folks. That's just, if you follow me long enough, I'm linebackers don't matter. Take Twitter over here. Um, but uh, Adams is a free agent. We got Artix coming in saying Adams is a free agent, but all the schemes are all the schemes. All the reports are that uh, Adams is going to be tagged by Green Bay regardless. So uh, even though he's going to be a free agent, he's going to be, you're going to have to trade for him. It'll be a tag and trade kind of situation. And it probably comes with both those guys. It's going to be really complicated. Both those guys would probably come with a new deal as well, Rodgers and Adam. So I could see something where they have something agreed to in principle, but it takes a little bit to work out all the kinks. Yeah. Now, honestly, I would like Adams to be kind of paired with Rodgers because it does, I think, make Rodgers happy, makes him want to stay longer, maybe yeah. makes him actually play out the three or four years here in Denver instead of, I, I, I am so worried about with him, a one and done. Yeah. He gets traded here. Year doesn't maybe go as it's planned, or maybe he, they do win the Super Bowl, and he's just like, you know what, I'm going out on top. And then you trade it all. This. I don't even <laughs> care. <laughs> I if guess they win the it, Super Bowl, it, fine. Okay, <laughs> I guess it'd be worth it. But still, you'd be like, man, we just traded like two first round picks, two second round picks, yeah. a couple other third round or fourth round picks for this guy, and then he's gone after a year. Like, yeah, you're right. If he brings the Super Bowl, then you just say, hey, that was the cost of a Super Bowl, and I, I would take that every day and twice on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, we got Tabitha coming in here. Thank you so much supporting us again. I've recognized your name here a few times now. Uh, let us know that make sure we're pronouncing your name, right? Uh, Tabitha Bolish. But uh, thank you so much. We appreciate you. And if you have any questions, make sure to hit them in and uh, Scott will make sure that we get yours popped up here. Cause we do like to get to all of our super chats and contributors. Uh, everybody obviously get in your comments, but we want to make sure that we hit you if you're taking the time to do that. Um, so Carl, any thoughts on, do you have any concerns about the way this Packers game played out and Nathaniel Hackett coming over to Denver? What did you, I'm assuming you watched the Packers game falling yep. apart, you know, classic green Bay, I guess with Rogers only going to one Super Bowl in his career, which is crazy. But what did you see from this? And is there anything that you can translate over to the Broncos that might give you some concern going forward? Or is it just something where it was act of God, things happen in the playoffs and you're not worried about it? One, those really cold weather, snowy games, they're always going to be low scoring games unless defense can't get their footing and you get some really big plays happening. It's usually going to be a low scoring game. And that usually benefits the underdog because, hey, if you keep it close, anything can happen. And on top of that, it usually benefits going towards the run game, which, hey, that's the 49ers specialty, even though they really didn't do much on offense 
So that, that didn't really matter too much, but um, Rogers, it didn't worry me too much with him because we, we know what he is. And really with Hackett, it didn't really bother me too much either because most of his work is red zone or they call it the gold zone, I guess is what they call it there. Well, they didn't spend the a whole yard. It's like a different terminal. I think it's in the 25 plus. Okay. Well, they didn't spend a whole lot of time there. So no. wasn't really his specialty when you're looking at that kind of thing. Uh, and I don't usually let one game, even if it is a playoff game, that does matter more. But yeah. I don't want let one game really decide my love or hate for a player or coach. Um, yeah. Just th- those things happen. Sometimes you just have a bad day. Things don't bounce your way. Uh, you know, the Broncos 2015, everything bounced their way that year. Yeah. It just was amazing how it all worked out. And then 2016, like they still have the same defense, but things started bouncing the other way. And all of a sudden they go from Super Bowl team to nine and seven out of the playoffs. I don't think there was a whole lot of difference. Other, I mean, obviously Manning being gone, that that hurt. But beyond that, it was pretty similar team to what went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, we got Travis coming in here. Travis Weber. Good to see you, Travis, out there in Utah. Uh, good morning, Nick. Good evening. Gosh, good evening, Nick Carl, Scott in Broncos country. It's morning somewhere. Is Pete in here? Pete's in Cambodia. It's morning over there. If Hackett is named the head coach, I personally feel that Rogers Adams follows is far-fetched. Is far-fetched. Okay. But Peyton could possibly make it happen. Who knows? Shrug guy. This one. Uh, I was going for O'Connell myself. God bless you. I don't... O'Connell, if you think O'Connell's the dude, then I'm all for it. I want to see... What makes me more interested in the head coaches, the staff they bring around them um, more than anything, what schemes are actually going to run. But uh, I O'Connell, I think is a very good player. And I really like both O'Connell and Hackett have done something that Kellen Moore, I think is not the best at, but also Shermer is not the best at where they do a good job of scheming the first guy open. It's your first guy. You should do a good job of isolating that matchup, whether it be pre-snap movement or the situationally, what this team likes to do coverage wise. And your first read, if you can get that guy open more more than not, you simplify it for your quarterback. And that's something that Shanahan has done incredible with. Sean McVay has done incredible with, and Shermer has not. He's put a lot mentally on his quarterback. And at some point you do, the quarterback does have to, you know, go from a kindergarten level of reading defenses up to like, you know, fifth grade. But, um, you do want them to make it a little bit more simple where like not only is it the first read, but also like let's somewhere the primary read not only gets open, but it's your best receiver, right? You don't, you don't want it to have to be three or four reads every single time to get to that guy across the field. It's just, it's too hard to do that. So that's something I like about both those offensive minds. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's why I'm, I'm really not against either guy. I think both of them have been with different coaches that have brought different ideas uh, O'Connell has a very long list of different kind of coaches that he's worked with. And, and that's something that's very intriguing to me to just see what he would do being the guy that's actually kind of in charge of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I am very intrigued by him, but I also worry about waiting for him as well. Uh, part of why I like Dan Quinn is because I think he can put together the best staff. I think he has the most connections around the league of the three guys. And I think he has a lot of people who want to work with him. So I could see him really putting together the, the best staff of all three of them. Um, but you're right. Who they bring in for their defense coordinator, special teams, all that matters just as much as who, who they are as a head coach. Yep. Probably more so. I mean, honestly, like the yeah. best head coaches surround themselves with brilliant people. Um, doesn't always work out. Yeah. We see the, what was it? The Mike Shanahan, uh, Washington football team, different mm-hmm. name at the time, but they had, three of those head coaches that uh, they only won three football games, but still uh, David Kilgore coming in. If Quinn is the head coach, would Wilson be the quarterback with the Seattle connection? It's possible. Um, I really think it's so hard to find a franchise quarterback guys. And you're really figured. I mean, we've seen it for six years now. We're grasping at straws. Uh, I advocated strongly for Matt Stafford at the time. It looks pretty good in hindsight, but um, this, those guys typically just do not become available. So, if, if Russell becomes, if Russell Wilson is available, hell yeah, shoot, shoot for it, go for it. But is he going to be available? Is Aaron Rodgers going to be available? I know that that's much better than talking about trading for Kirk Cousins and trading <laughs> for Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's dominating the conversation. But I just, I honestly am having a hard time believing either of those guys are on the move until I see it. Maybe that's me being a little bit too hurt from last year. You know, like, yeah. like oh, the only reason they're skipping a quarterback at nine this year given what the 2022 class looks like it's going to be is because they have, they think they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that is the case. Who knows? Uh, but it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> a little right. bit of hopelessness at the quarterback position. If you don't land one of those two guys. 
you know, I, I've I was saying today, and I think you were kind of going in the same direction. If you don't get Wilson, if you don't get Rodgers, I'd almost rather go Jameis Winston and free agency. Like he's not obviously the best option. There's a reason he's available in free agency, but the guy can put up points. The guy can throw a lot of touchdowns. I know he throws a lot of interceptions as well, but at least for a one-year rental, you you could do worse, I guess, is, is the way I'd put it. And then at least it gets you to the next year. Maybe Winston finally figures it out as a, a first overall pick. You know, he was looking pretty darn good there for, for the Saints this last year. I think he had 14 touchdowns, the three interceptions. Looked like he was starting to figure some things out. Um, yeah. You know, you, you take a chance at it. It's not, obviously, it's not a great hand, but it's it's better than what you've had the last few years. That's for sure. It's just... This is what we were screaming a year ago where it looked like a good quarterback class and like Broncos, maybe you should be thinking about trading up to number three to go up and get a guy because not every class comes around like this. Typically when there are guys that are at the top, they go one and two. And you never even have a chance. So last year with multiple guys, um, you, you maybe want to be aggressive and go do that. Alas, didn't happen. So we're where we're at right now and hoping to get the quarterback position correct. But uh, there's no guarantees there, and a lot of other teams are trying to get it too, and makes it that much more rough that Mahomes and Herbert look like demigod quarterbacks in the division. So it'll be rough. It'll be rough for sure. But the Broncos, I do think Peyton is a good team, and also this team has a lot of flexibility. That's one of the big things I want to reiterate here as well. Um, the Broncos right now, they don't have their quarterback, but it could be much worse. Because of the cost of Teddy Bridgewater, 4.5 against the cap, um, six-round pick given up, Broncos have the flexibility this year to be aggressive again where you really mess up is either a you draft the wrong guy in the draft and commit four years to them. You know, that, that blows, but you have the Colts who have a great team by all accounts. Don't have the draft capital. Cause they gave it up for Carson Wentz. That's terrible. Um, the Panthers, a team that has a lot of ownership money, um, pretty good defense, good pieces on defense. They're paying Sam Darnold. What? Like 20 million against the cap this year for his fifth year option, 25 million. And they don't have day two picks this season. They can't go get a quarterback. They don't have the means. They don't have the flexibility where the Broncos have retained that because they have not gone all in on a quarterback that they don't believe in. I'm just afraid that they might go in this year. Let's say they do trade a, God forbid, a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo and then give him a two-year deal on top of it. That Kill me. I'm going to be so upset. Uh, that's just that's yeah. that's the worst thing that they could possibly do, in my opinion. But we'll see. Dennis all right. Well, Woods. I got yep. go ahead, go Dennis Woods coming in here with the $5 super. Appreciate it, Dennis. Says Roger says he won't play on a rebuild team. Other than ownership, do you consider Broncos a rebuild team? No, I don't. I, I think I think they're missing some pieces. Obviously, they need a right tackle, edge players, maybe another off-ball linebacker. Cornerback depth is going to be a question. Obviously, uh, safety position maybe with some of the rookies. You're you're still going to need some more pieces there. Uh, but but for the most part, you got a very good solid base for a quarterback to come in here. And do well. I think Rodgers would do great with these weapons. If you get him a decent offensive scheme, maybe a couple more pieces on the offensive line. Yeah, I think he could do great. And I think he would view the Broncos as a team that he would like to go play for. Because, like I said, it has pieces around him. Um, but there's there's some other options out there. Like I said, Colts look like a very good team as well that he could go to. Maybe they don't have the trade capital to, to make that work. Um, I'm trying to think of maybe Giants. They have the trade capital. Yeah, they're in an okay position. Uh, I think their cap is not great, but it's not like they have a bunch of bad contracts as well. Um, the NFC East is kind of up for grabs. Uh, Dak's, pre Dak's contract is going to get pretty big soon. That Dallas offensive line has not been reloaded uh, also, and they're going to lose Dan Quinn. And I don't I don't think that secondary is that good either uh, in Dallas. So uh, we'll see what happens there, but it'll be interesting. See a lot of comments here about the trench play in Denver, a lot of other stuff. Let's uh, Scott, how are we doing on the supers? Have we caught everybody yet? Andrew Baker. Of course not. We haven't gotten to Andrew yet. <laughs> Hot take Von Miller ends Brady, Brady's career with a bloody lip and a strip sack, man. Uh, that, that's assault, but the Von Miller is still <laughs> Tom Brady's dad. That's great. Uh, I, I did want to get to this. Um, what, what was wrong with Von Miller in Denver? Von Miller's looked great these last few seasons. What, what is about that? the Rams that is clicking for Von Miller right now that it could not click for him in Denver over the last since, I guess just since post Super Bowl. Well, I think one <clears throat> there with the Rams, everybody's focused on another defensive player, giving him all the attention. So Von does get a lot more, I think one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Yes. And, and I think they pretty much tell Von, Hey, go be as aggressive as possible out there. 
I think that's part of their scheme that they've built in is we want aggression. We want to go make the big plays. Mm-hmm. We'll give up some big plays like we saw in the game against Tampa Bay. They gave up some big plays that almost cost them the game there at the end. But they also go out there and make big plays like Vaughn Miller did. Here in Denver, I think Vic Fangio is a like just very, very disciplined in everything he does. Like Every piece has to work together. You can't have one guy going rogue. And I think Vaughn sometimes does his best work when you just say, Vaughn, go be Vaughn. And mm-hmm. I think he was just maybe thinking a little too much of, oh, I got to do this. I got to stay in this position. And he just wasn't cut loose as much as you would like to see him do. And I think what you see also with Vic Fangio, he likes to collapse the pocket. And it's why you see a lot of his interior guys actually get more pressure because they get a little bit more opportunity to do some um, some stunts and be able to make some plays where they get free, where you're asking your edge guys actually to kind of hold the edge and let the other guys swing around. Maybe that's, that's just, one of the reasons they've been so good against Mahomes because that's the type of defense he, you need to corral Mahomes when yep. he's a slippery little bleep and gets out of the pocket and creates plays. That's when he's trouble. Uh, but it's really the opposite with uh, Tom Brady. Um, gosh, there's so many takeaways we can have from all these games. Like another one just came to my mind about building around Aaron Rodgers with an old older quarterback. He doesn't have the demigod ability anymore where he's out there creating plays out of structure like he used to. He still can you see if he has to, but it's not like what we saw with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes this week. Just it's yep. not. But with Tom Brady, we kind of saw it this year. That offense started to fall apart a little bit with the injuries, but when he has weapons, it's kind of like when you Peyton Manning had weapons in Denver, he can be a maestro. He can be as good as ever. It's just, it requires different pieces to function. If that makes sense, you need to give them options where they can isolate the matchup pre-snap and identify that and go with that, which has been uh, really, it was really hard for Brady to do once Antonio Brown stormed off the field and their best player, uh, their best offensive weapon, in my opinion, and Chris Godwin, who was the pivot man for that offense, fell apart. So we'll be interesting. I just don't think it works for Rodgers only having Devontae Adams. You, you need to have, give him multiple answers, and you can have that in Denver. I think it'd work great. Yeah. It's kind of one of those, it's kind of weird how they built the Packers. It was pretty much, we're going to build in the trenches, and then we're going to expect Rodgers to go make plays with a bunch of scrubs and maybe one great player. And, and that's pretty much been his whole career. Other than at the beginning, I think he had more weapons at the beginning. Oh, Greg yeah. Jennings, Jordy yeah. Nelson. Yeah, they had some weapons. But these last about eight years or so, they've really just kind of limited a lot more on what they're doing with their weapons and just kind of saying, Rogers, you go make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, obviously it's, that's irritated him. He's yep. been trying to advocate, like, go do something for me here. And like I said, here in Denver, they got weapons out the wazoo. They just need somebody that can actually take advantage of them. And yeah. obviously Rogers, I think he would be in heaven here. Yep. Get some explosive pass plays, man. That's a uh, planted that, but those bills and chiefs are playing a different football game than we've seen in Denver since honestly, since 2013, but 2014 for sure. Uh, if Quinn gets hired, who would you have, who would we have as the offensive coordinator does seem like Luke gets the name that keeps getting tossed around. Um, but I would hope that Mike McDaniel would have a chance as well uh, for that, that position. But who knows? I mean, who's who's allowed to come over? A lot of times when a coach comes over, they don't allow them to pick apart the entire staff that they are, uh, they brought as well. So uh, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I wish I, I wish they gave a lot more freedom in what guys could leave certain jobs to, to go to others, uh, such as like Mike McDaniel. He's considered offensive coordinator, but he's really not. You know, he, he's more run game coordinator or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I wish they would specify, okay, well, if you're getting play calling duties at this job and you weren't having them over here, oops, there we go. Um, (laughs) this is a, this is an upgrade. This is a a promotion. I wish they would do that more in the NFL to give guys a greater chance to actually go have success. Yeah. I mean, especially if somebody's willing to pay you more, um, that's, Mm -hmm. they should be able to go, but, um, back to Von Miller here. The last thing I wanted to get to was. I know that people kind of snickered and jeered at Vance Joseph when he said this, but it's, it's really so true and simple when you play, when you have an offense that threatens the opposing team and can put up points, you're going to have better situations rusting the passer. Broncos have not had an offense that has put fear in the hearts of anyone, especially when it comes to explosive plays uh, for the last 
three, four seasons. They tried to do that with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy didn't come to fruition, uh, but they, they are not a team that scares teams that they feel like, Oh, if we don't put up 30 points, we're going to be in trouble forcing them to be in more five, seven step drops, more empty sets, more multiple guys out in the route to create explosive pass plays. And when you do that, when you play that protected kind of playing in a box situation, you're not going to leave yourself as vulnerable to sacks or Von Miller getting around the edge, getting after the quarterback. So uh, I think that's a big one as well. Number one is Aaron Donald. He's the best defensive player in football. He has been for six, seven straight seasons. Uh, it's not only that he's the best player. There's not a defensive lineman who even comes close to doing what he does as well. So it's it's crazy. Um, but Von's great. Love to see him out there. I just don't think it's as simple as Vic's scheme didn't put him in the best situation to win. I think if you had Aaron Donald and the Rams offense here, Vic's scheme... The scheme would be working fine, yep. fine for Von Miller. Yeah, for Chris sure. Hernandez. Right. Yeah. Chris Hernandez. Love you, Chris. Boom, boom. A great picture. Got the hearts. Got the three hearts. Thank you so much. Make sure you guys also drop a heart up above there for the uh, the react here. Um, Travis coming in with the uh, the beautiful hat. Uh, what about Marcus Mariota? You're talking about number one, Jameis Winston, and number two, uh, Marcus Mariota in that draft. I'd be fine with either of them as a one year stopgap kind of thing, but I'm not looking to break the bank for either of them. And right. I am already looking towards 2023 uh, in that type of situation. A lot of people will kind of be Mariota Winston, because you have pie in the sky hopes for Rogers and Wilson. I get it, but you, we need to talk about all the possibilities and Mariota is one that makes sense. It's not ideal, but like pairing Marcus Mariota with like a Matt Corral, I think that'd be great. I think that would be, I, I don't love taking any of the quarterbacks in line, but like Mariota with Corral, that would make, sense on paper so i don't hate it as long as he's not too expensive um also the weird thing with the raiders this year Derek carr is playing great right like for the most of the year playing pretty darn well but then the raiders are like oh maybe we want to put marcus Mariota in there instead of Derek carr so that has me a little bit intrigued maybe maybe i'm taking the uh the bait here maybe they did that just for the broncos to sign a, a bad player like waiting for the whoopee cushion to go off or something but he's intriguing at least yeah i i really liked what the raiders were actually trying to do with him of saying, we know that this is a place that you are strong in and your ability to take off running and pick up some plays. I think part of his problem with the Titans, like he, he was still actually a good passer with the Titans. He just got very conservative in what they were asking him to do. Like they, he knew he had somebody behind him that was trying to take his job. And so I think it almost made him go ultra um, conservative in the way that he was playing. He still had a quarterback rating over 100 before he played the Broncos and then got benched. Um, but it just kind of shows again, just because quarterback ratings over hundred doesn't mean you're actually playing great as a quarterback. Yeah. And now goes to the Raiders. They say, Hey, we're going to take advantage of your running ability. I think if you have a team that says, Hey, we're going to play to those strengths. We know that you can take off running. We're going to get you on the move. Use your legs when you can feel it, even have a few designed run plays to make teams have to respect it. And, and then take advantage of his, I mean, he's pretty accurate quarterback and he's smart with the football. He's not going to put you in a whole lot of dangerous situations. So I don't mind if that's the where the Broncos end up this year. Like I said, a Marcus Mariota may be paired with a, a quarterback from this draft, or maybe you just say, hey, we're waiting for 2023. We're just going to be okay with Marcus Mariota this year. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough being in the world of no quarterback, but eventually eventually the Broncos will get it right. Uh, Addison coming in. Addison Rychick coming in. 199. You guys are goaded. You're goaded, Addison. Thank you. Watson to Denver. Watson's a great young quarterback. I don't see him coming to Denver given what I've heard. And I don't think he wants to come to Denver, which is the biggest hurdle because he has no trade clause, but also that stuff hasn't been cleared yet. So I don't think he's coming to Denver. Peyton is very risk averse mm -hmm. and Watson is full of risk. And yeah, I agree with you. I don't see how he comes to Denver right now. Um, unless they just run out of all other options and no other team wants Watson. And they say, here, take him for a seventh round pick. And maybe, maybe it's worth it at that point. But if, if he's only getting a seventh round pick, that means something has really gone wrong legally at mm -hmm. that point. But uh, I right, got jelly coming in with another super chat saying top three quarterbacks in this draft. Um, it does seem like the general consensus top three will wind up being Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral and uh, Malik Willis. But we are a week away from the senior bowl that could change a heck of a lot based on what goes down at the senior bowl. Uh, so we'll see on that. Personally, my quarterback one through quarterback six, I'm I'm just going to put the names in the hat and just pull them out and write them on a list because that, that'll be my order because I'm having such a hard time separating each of these quarterbacks. They're each 
inherently flawed, but they also are not. It's not like we're talking about a bunch of Brett Rippon level talents either, right? They're a bunch of day two quality quarterbacks, and you might find yourself a Colin Kaepernick, a Andy Dalton, maybe a Derek Carr in there, you know, former pretty okay day two round two quarterbacks. None of these guys, though. Carl, question for you. Close your eyes. Close your eyes real quick. Everybody close your eyes. Picture the Broncos are in a game like the we just saw at the Bills and Chiefs last night. Are any of these quarterbacks able to go nuclear and go throw for throw with the likes of Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes in a game like that? Because my answer is no. Uh, maybe Malik Willis because of the tools and the arm talent. Maybe, but the other ones, I just I, they don't they don't measure up. They don't have any, accuracy and processing and everything else is more important. But you need to have the superhuman tool, tools as well to reach that level of quarterback play. Um, I, I, I would say I don't know. I don't know. Arm wise, Carson Strong, I'd put up there of being able to make a lot of big time throws, but he doesn't have the ability to improvise and make plays with his legs and, you know, keep plays alive like you see with the Mahomes and Allen. You know, yeah. part of what the Bills did so great at is those design runs that made them have to respect Beautiful. that he's going to take off running for a big play. Yeah. And then when you have to creep up more, obviously, then they can beat you over the top. That's exactly what Josh Allen brings to the table. Carson Strong doesn't force a team to do that. So, yes, you're right. It's not the same. I, I would just say arm talent and the throws that you saw of some of the tight window throws he made, I think are on a different level than some of these other guys in this draft. Doesn't mean I think he's going to be a great quarterback, but I, I'd probably still have him in my top three. I, I yeah. don't believe in Malik Willis becoming something great in the NFL. I just don't. Unless yeah. he goes to this perfect situation and the offense is completely designed around him and a team just says, we fully believe in you like what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. Maybe then he can turn into something. But for my money, if I'm looking for a guy that I think can actually do something, especially even year one, Carson Strong, I think can actually come in and do something. I just don't know enough about the knee. Um, for, to say that he is year one, I'd say if you're looking purely year one, uh, Kenny Pickett would be the guy. But if you're drafting a quarter, if you're drafting anybody, but especially a quarterback for what they do year one versus what their career projection is, you should not be in the position to make decisions because that is just terrible. Um, you know, you, nobody should have drafted these quarterbacks as last year for Mac Jones's rookie season, right? You're you're right. hoping for what these guys will be at the very end of their rookie season and projecting them going forward. Uh, so, it, um. I don't know, man. I just I know it's not the true definition of Moneyball, but for this quarterback class, just give me the last guy remaining of the six. If they fit your scheme and your culture and whatever, I'm fine with that. And then be ready to go take another swing in 2023. Uh, but I don't know. I just think they might make a little bit more of a desperate decision. I hope they get it right. They're working with way more information and knowledge, way more knowledgeable people too. <laughs> I'll fully admit that than myself. Uh, but it scares the bleep out of me to go quarterback at nine. Uh, Phil coming in. Great show, guys. Thank you, Phil. Trivia question. Gulp. Um, <laughs> when was the last time three home teams and two number one seeds lost in the playoffs? I, I don't know. Uh, the same twelve. I don't know, bro. Well, Broncos were number one seed and they lost. Obviously, I'm trying to remember who was on the other side for the NFC. Um, Scott's putting hands up there. Uh, Falcons lost to the Packers. Also, he's given up a ten there. Oh, there's the Falcons to the Packers that year. Yep. So there you go. 2010. Um, is the year says Scott. Scott's already on it. Scott's Scott's the whiz kid <laughs> back here. You ever see? Don't just uh, stump the Schwab. I think it was what it was called. We'll have Scott be back there, the guy in the chair of the ESPN game show. Thank you so much, Phil, for the uh, the comment, the question, and the uh, the support. Um, back at it here. Uh, getting to it about Hackett and this team in general in the quarterback position. Seeing a lot of talk about the offensive line. Broncos needing to invest in the offensive line. I'm not against that by any means. Has seeing Joe Burrow success changed your opinion at all as far as the need for an offensive line for a young quarterback to succeed uh maybe i mean obviously joe burrow is a sample size of one so that <laughs> makes it easy uh to go another way but i do think that there's a better argument for keeping him healthy long term but as far as his development or him becoming elite completely hinged on having a quality offensive line i think that's hogwash i'm with you i mean i think you can like i said you you eventually have to invest in the group yeah. Because otherwise you're going to see a quarterback that develops a lot of bad habits because they're always having to work on throwing off their back foot and making crazy throws at different times. Uh, but I mean, to compensate for injuries that over a 17 game season now is a 17. Yeah. Those, yeah. those things adds up, add up. So. 
Yeah, for sure. So it's something that you need to be thinking about for sure. But early on, I think a lot of these young guys, it's not going to make as much of a difference. I mean, they still like to have it, mm-hmm. but having weapons that can go win like a Jamar Chase one-on-one and turn a 10-yard pass into a touchdown can make a obviously a huge difference in what they can do on the field. And and so there's there's a case for for both sides of it. I, I think you got to have one strong, one or the other strong. Either you have to have great weapons for him or a great offensive line. Yeah. Obviously, you'd rather have both. Um, but I, I think to be to be fair, the Bengals probably have the best eleven personnel weapons in the NFL. Like I can't think of a team that you can stack running back, tight end, three wide receivers as talented as the Bengals have. So uh, that help, definitely helps compensate for it. But Joe Burrow getting sacked seven times and still passing for. 300 nine times oh my god um and still getting 350 yards uh crazy they do need to invest in it long term because this it just makes me think of Al, uh andrew luck um right where he like the that colts offensive line early on was bad for him and he was still incredible um and we saw it with the justin herbert last year justin herbert's still incredible despite terrible offensive line but injuries and bad habits can develop over time i just don't think it's a i think it's a really bad excuse saying like oh this person didn't succeed because they didn't have a good enough offensive line right like I think we had already seen that regardless of the offensive line situation. Right. And I mean, we've seen more and more often that quarterback play is one of the biggest determining factors on how good or bad an offensive line actually can do. I mean, yes, they got nine sacks against him this last game, but you look at Mahomes and how many times he escaped sacks because of his ability to run around Rogers with some of his ability. Peyton Manning was one of the best at making an offensive line look great because they had to block for about a second and a half before he got rid of the football. I sometimes go back and laugh at the Broncos offensive depth chart for Super Bowl uh, 50 because, man, that offensive line, whew, they were injured. Like, I'll give them credit. Uh-huh. But my God, the Broncos have had the Broncos had some pretty bad offensive lines with Peyton Manning, but they had weapons. Uh, so it's uh, it is what it is. Jelly coming in again. Uh, who's the top interior defensive lineman at nine or a trade back to the teens? I, oh, man, I don't. I don't know if there is an interior defensive lineman who's worth a pick at nine. I don't know if there's one that's worth a top 15 pick even maybe I guess it depends on what you think of Trevon Walker. If you think he can bulk up and kick inside and bet on those traits. But like, I like Jordan Davis a lot. I don't think I'd take him at nine. The Marvin Leal apparently has some coachability issues. Got arrested for marijuana last month, even though knowing he's in the biggest coming up to the biggest job interview of his career um, and never materialized. The traits are there, but like, there's some whispers around his character and work ethic. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But as well, interior defensive lineman at nine, I, I don't see it. I don't see it in this class. I'm with you there. And, and really, I, I kind of like what the Broncos have on the interior. I think they've got enough. Mm-hmm. If you add a, a really, really good edge player to this group and Chubb up can stay healthy and actually be what he was closer to his rookie year, I think you look pretty good there. I don't think uh, you still need to add to the interior defensive line and you still need to keep thinking to the future because I mean, Draymond Jones is going to be coming up. Is it after next season for a new contract? I think so. So you don't know if you're going to get him signed long-term or not. So you you need to be thinking about it. And usually interior guys take a year or two before they start showing who they are as a player. Um, So I don't mind if they use a second, third round pick on the position, but I'm not using number nine. Like you said, this is not the class to be doing that. Yeah. um, They're just not a body for that type, right? Every single draft class is different. Um, You'll probably hear me talk about him a lot next year because the interior defensive line is my favorite position in the draft. Um, My favorite to watch and scout and Jalen Carter for Georgia. Oh my God, Scott or uh, Carl. God, I've already said it to Scott a hundred times too, but Jalen Carter, number 88 for Georgia. I watched the trying to watch Nicobe Dean and Trayvon Walker the Kentucky game, the, the all 22 for the Kentucky game. And I'm trying to watch whatever numbers those guys are even, are. I don't even remember, but number 88 on Georgia's defense flashed constantly. What a, what a dude. Oh, you're not a draft eligible. It's a shame. Cause I would be banging the table for him at nine in this class. He's that good. <laughs> um, Lawrence Rivera. Who's a good running quarterback in this draft? Not Carson strong. Yeah. <laughs> he He's the worst one. I will say that um, outside of Carson strong, um, who was playing on a knee that was injured and, in, needing surgery, I believe. So that's one reason he looked a little bit weird with his gait. Uh, but I don't think any of these quarterbacks are terrible athletes by any means. Malik Willis, I would say is the best athlete then followed by Desmond Ritter, then followed by toss up between Sam Howell and Kenny Pickett. You don't think Ritter when Ritter's in the open field, well, man, I, I would say corral would be third. Ooh, corral. You're right. Yep. Corral would be third. You're, you're correct. 
Corral scares me a bit though, because I do talk about, I think I do believe in frame when it comes mm-hmm. to good running quarterbacks and he is skinny as can be uh, in the base. And I, he are, he took a big dip this season when he got injured in his form. You're talking about quarterbacks taking hit and falling off of the offensive line, not holding up uh, corral kind of fell off this season midway through October after getting an injury because he was so much of a running threat. So yeah, I straight line speed. Yes. I don't know if he has the frame to hold up as much as Kenny Pickett slash Sam Howell in that regard. But um, then after that, it's Carson strong who don't have to be an athlete to be a competent quarterback. I do think you have to have that ability to be a truly elite nuclear quarterback, unless you're 40 year old with every answer in the test test book, uh, Tom Brady type. Right. All right, we got Leaf coming in here saying, if we packaged our number nine pick and the two picks we got for Vaughn, would we be able to get one of the top edge guys in this draft? I I think yes. I think yes for this draft. You could, you shouldn't. None of these guys are worth it in this class. I'm sorry to say it, this class does not have a truly transcendent edge rusher. Um, And I don't think you should be giving up picks in general until you have that quarterback. You need to be getting cost-controlled players on the back end, but... Uh, that said, if Will Anderson was in this class, I'd say do it because that guy is different. I like Aiden yeah. Hutchinson. I like Kayvon Thibodeau. They are not Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Chase Young caliber prospects, despite going that high, just because the way this draft class is, it's just not, it's not an elite draft class at the top, uh, overall. So you could do it. I would not say it's worth it. What is there anything that you'd be willing to give up? Let's say you get they get to a point where it only costs you a first round pick or number nine overall. And one of the second round picks. Are you willing to do that to get one of those guys? Probably. I think I like moving up nine to seven to guarantee to jump the Falcons. Sorry, Scott and guarantee yourself the last remaining of like Hutchinson or Thibodeau. I think I would consider doing that. The very small move. I'm not touching 2023 and I'm not giving up excess, excess capital, but I would consider it there because you know, the Falcons are going to take an edge rusher in that case. If one of those guys is there and uh, to get that guy cost controlled for only that cost, that's fine. I mean, that's typically when you're talking about moving up in the top 10, even if you're already in the top 10, you're talking about multiple ones uh, to this year, a two next year, even if you're yep. moving up barely anything. Uh, but if you're only talking, you know, one, one and one of your twos this year, you can do it. And also you can do it because that Von Miller trade gave you flexibility. You have flexibility to maybe burn one of those assets to go up there and get it. It's not the best. It's not the best move because evaluators in general are too confident in their own analysis versus the noise of like variants of the general trends that we have. Uh, that's why we see teams like, Oh, linebackers are terrible. Uh, first round picks hit rate wise in the last five years but I'm going to get it, get it right because I'm smarter than everybody else. You know, that kind of air, you kind of have to have that arrogance to get to that position, but they probably should tr- trust the uh, general data better than they do in that situation. But for Hib- Thibodeau or Hutchinson trading up to like seven, only giving up nine and the Rams second round pick. Okay. I'm in, I'm in. Which one would Find you it. rather have? Uh, right now I lean uh, Thibodeau because I think he's more versatile. I think he's a more versatile player uh, than Hutchinson, which I think that scheme versatility is very uh, key and clutch going forward because you don't know what your scheme is going to be, but I would take either of them if it's a small cost forward. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. All right. we got Michael coming in here with stars. Really appreciate that. Michael always good to see you here, buddy. Great show tonight. Nick and Carl on building the Broncos and go Broncos. Go Michael. How's that one? Let's, let's we need some go Michael shirts there. Um, thank you so much, Michael. We always appreciate you. You're great. Um, you're always super helpful. We're going to be getting out of here in about five minutes, guys. So if you got any questions uh, to get at us, make sure you do get them in here. We get all these gosh darn Russian bots coming in here. You guys should be, maybe I shouldn't make a, uh, a joke about Russia right now, but um, <laughs> get out of here. Um, rude. Uh, Lawrence Rivera saying any fullbacks to protect our quarterback. <laughs> Um, Lawrence, I'm going to be honest with you. Long snappers, fullbacks, kickers, punters, probably not. There's only so many hours in the day and, uh, I'm not going to spend time. I, I already have to watch a full, fullback play for the university of Iowa. Like that's, that's enough having to watch fullbacks for me. Um, Kyle use is a unicorn. I could watch him all day, but like he's different. Uh, so I, I don't know if there's any fullbacks. If you do bring in that Mike McDaniel offense though, you're probably gonna have to find yourself a, uh, a fullback H back tight end hybrid type to play back there. Yeah, for sure. If he gets hired, then we'll, we'll do some scouting on the fullbacks of this draft. Yeah. How yep. about that? 
yeah, yeah. EJ said, what's a fullback? That's got to find out. <laughs> um, this, uh, I love the fullback if it's implemented as like an H-back type, uh, just to give you a versatile chess piece. But the, the general eye formation, bringing in somebody who's a worse route runner, pass catcher, and inviting more guys into the box to run it into the teeth of the defense, it's simple math. I just, I don't understand. It, I, don't, I don't get it, especially in the NFL, but I don't know. I like uh, Broncos fan 13 saying, I want a Debo Samuel, bro. Uh, yeah. Yes, please. Cordell <laughs> Patterson, the, 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 the cheap, the cheaper, older version. If you bring in somebody like that, uh, we'll get it. it we'll get it in there. Um, Clee coming in saying CSU tight end Trey McBride play that. He's more of a wide receiver type than the fullback tight end type from what I've seen, but I think he's a pretty good athlete. I would be interested in seeing it, uh, seeing it go out that way. Uh, he's a very good player. It's, this is a solid tight end class this season, I think overall, but not as good at the top as next year or the year after that. Next year, there's a guy named Michael Meyer, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, who's incredible. And then you got Brock Bowers at uh, Georgia, which is just a different kind of player. So Trey McBride's really good. I would, I think he might sneak into the first round. I got to see him play Iowa this year. I know there's a lot of Fort Collins, Colorado State people in here as well. So he's worth watching. Yeah, he, he's the only fun thing that was going on with that football team this year. And but you're right, he's he's more of a receiving option than a great blocking option. Yeah. And so putting him back there at fullback, I don't think that's going to end very well. Or H back or whatever you want to call it, probably not the the most successful. But I, I do think the Broncos. There's a good chance they take a tight end in this draft. They they need some help at that position. And depending on what kind of system they bring in, they don't have a blocking tight end on this roster. Uh, Sobert's a f- free agent. I wouldn't mind if they brought him back again. And, you know, you still just need more depth at that position right now. Yeah, especially depth for special teams, right? Like you just need to keep, keep adding those kind of guys out there that can go out there and be gunners and kickoff unit and all that stuff. Uh, but any more comments here, Scott, before we get on, start heading on out? No, he's giving me the X. Uh, so mm-hmm. thank you very much, guys. We're going to get on out of here. If you guys have any chats to get in here last second, we can get to it. But building the Broncos, I got the hat back on. Thank you, Travis, for sending Oh man, hiccup sending me the hat as well. You are great. Um, this is building the Broncos. We're here every Tuesday night. Uh, we'll be here going forward. Maybe next week we'll have a new head coach. Who knows? Um, Michael Ronquillo coming in any Iowa player in this draft, uh, Nick, Oh my God, you get me at the last second here. You want to have another hour long show going on here. (laughs) Um, for the Broncos this year, specifically, I think Dane Belton would be interesting for the Broncos. He played the cash position for them, which is the, overhang safety essentially essentially what Bryce Callahan would be but with a safety body because you want a little bit more tackling and size with how much with the wider hash marks and how much they isolate those guys and the quick RPO game and the read option so you want to have a little bigger body there uh I don't know how much you watched the did you watch the Titans game this week yes Amani Hooker does that name mean anything for you that's that's Dane Belton that's what his position is um and that's what you'd expect him to be in the NFL as well so um good player he's really fun I was surprised he came out this early um maybe you could bring in a shot at uh Kyle Kyle shot who was the Bronx or the Hawkeyes left guard had some injuries he's considered to be one of the most loved guys in that on that Iowa team he battled an injury this season and it took him a little bit to get his form back his uh, strength back but you know, undrafted free agent, maybe late. You could bring them in as well, but I was bringing back most of their good guys. So uh, they have a tougher schedule next year, but there's not that many NFL guys going out there besides Tyler Linderbaum. Love Tyler Linderbaum. Makes me grit my teeth thinking about spending a top 10 pick on a center, especially one who I don't think is scheme transcendent. If you're running that wide zone scheme, you're not going to find a better center prospect than Tyler Linderbaum. But if you're asking him to be a big power guy, uh, take on 330 pound nose tackles and stand them up anchor, he's not there yet. And I don't know if he'll ever be fully there given his frame limitations, but he's, he's damn good. If you want to run that wide zone, he's, I mean, he's, he's not Jason Kelsey, but that's the mold. Any thoughts on Tyler Goodson? I like Tyler Goodson. Um, I don't know if he can pass protect, which is a non-starter for me. Um, you didn't see it enough from Iowa in their drop back pass game. He is explosive day three, maybe, but uh, if you don't got chops in pass protection, I'm going to be a little bit scared of you. There you go. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for the questions. You guys can follow Carl and I on Twitter. Carl is at Carl Dumbler MHH. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at BDB football pod and at mile high huddle. If you guys like the gear, you guys like the hats, uh, make sure you're going to huddle Uh, check out all the gear. We got 
gators, mugs, sweatshirts, et cetera, et cetera. And of course the hats, if you guys get the hats also, or any of the gear add us on Twitter and show us, uh, show us so we can help spread the word uh, with all your information. Did I sound weird now? Did my, okay. Nope, you're huh. good. My sound changed. Um, anyway, guys, uh, make sure you're also following us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod and at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle. And uh, make sure you subscribe, like, and share to our channel uh, at mile high huddle. Carl, what's the rest of the day looking like for you? Just go home, get kids ready for school tomorrow. Actually get a, send them all three back to school, even though we have a late start. So that's going to be mm-hmm. fun. Um, but uh, otherwise I also got to go shovel some sidewalks here in the dark. <laughs> the snow finally stopped so I can actually go shovel, which will be just dandy. Oh my gosh. I do not. Uh, I do not. Env- I pity you. I think that's the way Thanks. to do it. Uh, that's, that's unfortunate, Carl. Um, I do not miss those days. Do you ever have the, where it snows so much that you have to like go out and preemptively shovel so that way you don't have as much to do later? Is that kind of the snowfall you're getting right now? No, we're, we're, it's just been a light snow all day. So it just was, there, there was no chance to actually go out there and shovel it because it's just going to fill in right after you shovel it. And uh, so that's why I've waited till this last minute. I went and did my parents because they've got the sick bug right now. So I did theirs for them. Um, yeah. but that was right before the show. Now I got to go do my own today. You're a good man, Carl. Always love to talk to you. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning over on Scott's channel. If you want to hang out and talk some senior bowl and stuff over there with us. Um, also we'll see you tomorrow night at, uh, for huddle up Wednesday nights until then you guys stay safe. Choose kindness. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.